Well, I was going to introduce myself to start with, but I've kind of done that already. And I think I know most of you anyway. But uh, my name's Isaac, if you, if you don't know me. Just a bit of fun before we start. I came across some of these yesterday. Um, quotes from American church bulletins, just as a bit of a laugh. Some of these are great. The sermon this morning, Jesus walks on water. The sermon tonight, searching for Jesus. <laughs> Next Thursday, there will be tryouts for the choir. They need all the help they can get. <laughs> for those of you who have children and don't know it, we have a nursery downstairs. <laughs> Ladies, don't forget the rummage sale. It's a chance to get rid of those things not worth keeping around the house. Don't forget your husbands. <laughs> this is my favourite one. Please place your donation in the, in the envelope with the deceased person you want to remember. <laughs> it's nothing to do with what I'm talking about. I just thought it was really funny. Good. So I, I want to talk this morning about you. And uh, by you, I mean the church. So I wonder what you would picture in your head if somebody said church. I'm sure it means lots of things to lots of people. Would it be the, the old England picture postcard with the, with the rural country vicar and the vicar voice maybe? Um, pews and dusty hymn books and, and organs. Maybe a, a village green and a church fate like Dad's Army. Everyone seen Dad's Army? Remember that? Perhaps you're visiting us for the first time this morning. I, can't, I don't know if I know everybody, but so you've never been to church before and you're probably thinking they're all a bit odd, aren't they? <laughs> well, if that's you, then, then you're welcome and uh, do take the opportunity to ask us loads of questions afterwards because we love your questions and we'd love to tell you all about what church really means and who Jesus is. And our experiences will be very different and they'll be shaped by our history, they'll be shaped by our experience. Um, positive and, and negative, no doubt. Um, my own, growing up, at least at a very early age, um, time for a bit of honesty here, was um, abject boredom with some biscuits. <laughs> and some nice people as well. So clearly that changed over time. That's not the end of the talk, you'll be pleased uh, to know. But I remember going to an old Baptist church as a small child and yawning a lot. Anybody else have that sort of memory as church as a kid? Yeah, Jeff, you do, yeah, Julie, yeah. It smelled a bit funny, and everybody other than my mum and dad, and maybe one or two others, seemed that they were at least 150 years old. <laughs> they were ancient, and I was kind of down here. There, was, there were hymns and songs, mostly hymns, but some songs too. You know, the really, the really modern, goey ones where there was a guitar. Um, and they were sung from the dusty old uh, Mission Praise or Songs of Fellowship book. And, uh, and there, was a, there was a lovely old lady called Helena, who she was one of the 150-year-olds, and she, um, she used to play the songs, and she would get slower as she got through the songs and slightly more out of tune. And I think everyone was kind of surprised that she'd, either that she was awake or still alive at the end of the service. You know, it's one of those... Um, it's, um, it was an experience. Um, I think we're all um, 
yeah, just just an, in a bit of a daze, me and my brother, not many kids at the church, and uh, they serve very pale-looking tea. Do, do you ever, does anyone remember the sort of washed blue teacups or washed green teacups, yeah? The sort of Baptist church standards, remember those? And I think, that, so this church had about 50 people in it, and they had a cupboard, like a secret cupboard in the corner that the kids weren't allowed to go anywhere near. Um, I think they had about 2,000 cups for 50 people. So I don't know whether that was faith or whether, you know, the price was right at the time or what. That's, uh, and then there was a lively moment, I do seem to remember, when my little brother, age six, fell into the baptistry. That was, uh, it was on the day of my mum's baptism. And we, he, there's like a thin plastic cover over the top and he walked, walked over the cover and there was this sort of, <laughs> this hand slowly disappearing downwards. and I don't think I've seen the congregation move that fast, to be honest, before or since. Um, but the, the really interesting thing is, even then, and even now, I remember from 30 years ago, I'll say that quickly, that's, uh, I don't look that old, do I? Um, after that sort of boring bit of the service, as I saw it, people would stand around and they'd talk to each other, and whilst they were talking about the boring adult things, they were also talking about this Jesus. They kept talking about Jesus, and they kept talking about how amazing he was and what he'd done for them. And they kept talking about this thing called mission, um, which I didn't have a, have a clue about at the time. And um, they were like these buzzwords. It was like a different language, you know. And I saw it differently. Um, you know, I was, I was sitting somewhere being quiet and listening and doing what I was told, sometimes. <laughs> so even though I was picking up on something of the truth back then, my fundamental problem was, and I'm still on that, this journey and I'm sure, sure many of us are, that I didn't clearly see the church for what it really is and was, whose it is and how God sees it. I just saw it, as I said, somewhere to sit, be quiet and listen, do what I was told, not make too much fuss, not distract the adults. Of course, sort of fast-forwarding a few years, I came to know Jesus myself and understand this mission thing meant introducing him to others and being on a mission together. And that's what we are, aren't we? We're a, we're a people on a mission together. Um, together on a mission, in fact, was a, is, is a phrase that's been borrowed, hasn't it? It'd be the, the name of a New Frontiers leadership conference that was, that was, I don't know, ran for 10 years, 12 years, something like that? A long time, wasn't it? Brighton Conference. Um, it's important, it captures something about who we are. So, so what is the church? Um, I'm, I'm slightly disappointed that Jonathan's not here because I've got a bit of Greek. He's on holiday, yeah. yeah. Tell, tell him I'm using a Greek word, he'll be impressed. It's not kebab. <laughs> Who's heard of the Greek word ecclesia? Anyone heard of that? Yeah, yeah. Oh, good, most people. You know Greek more than I do. <laughs> It means the, the called out congregation or assembly of God. So what does that mean? So the, the, the church firstly is, is called out. So who remembers 1 Peter 2, 9? We're described as a, a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare his praises of him who called you out of the darkness and into his wonderful light. That, that, that last bit, isn't it? Called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. You see, we're called out from somewhere to somewhere. We're called out of darkness into light. We're called out of the pit 
into glorious freedom. We're called out of law into grace. Hope Church, do you know that you are God's special treasured possession? Do you know that? I said I was going to talk about you, didn't I? Each one of you, you are his treasured special possession. Have a good look at the person next to you. They are too. You might think they don't look so special. They might be thinking the same about you. (laughs) But you are treasured possession of God. They've been called out to worship Jesus alongside of you this morning. That's pretty cool, isn't it? We are the chosen people of God. So we're called out. We're an assembly. We're a family. We're called to mission, but not to do it on our own. And there's a power when we come together in his name. We, we, we touched a bit of that when we worship, don't we? To different degrees, we, we experience him. You can go to another town, another city, and feel at home, at church. I don't know how many, how many of you experience this? Yeah? I have a friend who leads a church in Ipswich, and I have the privilege of going to see him recently, and I, I, I knew a few people there, but it's a really big church. I didn't know many people, but... As soon as we started to worship, I felt like I was at home. And that's, that's true. And theirs is a fairly similar sort of church to ours, New Frontiers Church. That's, that's true across the globe. I don't know, uh, Jim, you've been over to Uganda, haven't you? Um, I'm sure you would say the same there. You know, in a different language, you don't have a clue what's going on. But you feel at home. Dee, you've probably been to some, haven't you? Yeah. Um, part of a family. And because... We often think of ourselves as part of a church when we're part of the church. We miss miss out on that sometimes. God's God's plan to bring the fullness of Christ to the world involves everybody, every tribe and tongue and nation. And that's a a glorious picture, isn't it? A family with a shared history of great men and women of God doing amazing things for him through him, with him. That's part of the foundation we're building on, that's part of what we're part of. Such a history of faithfulness through the generations, through the ages. So the church is an assembly. The church is the bride of Christ. Husbands, you'll know the moment of waiting at the altar for the bride, won't you? The wow when she walks in. I'm embarrassed Jane now. She hasn't gone red yet, it's good. And then, it's funny, isn't it, when, when you experience that moment, all the other things that you're thinking kind of disappear, don't you? You, you, you're transfixed, so, um, you know, am I going to cry? Am I going to mess up the vowels? Am I going to fall over? Walking back up the aisle, when's dinner time? <laughs> they always make you wait at weddings, don't we? We had our food early. They always make you wait at weddings. Uh, all those thoughts disappear, and they're replaced by... Wow, she's mine, that's amazing. What beauty. There's, a, there's an anticipation of being together forever, isn't there? And that's how Jesus feels about his church. He's eager to come to the bride. He just can't wait to come back and be a husband to his beautiful bride. He's preparing us, he's building his church. He wants us to be at our most beautiful for him because he loves us. I think we can often lose sight of just how he sees us, can't we? 
We, we look at ourselves. We do the comparison thing. We look around us. We look at our culture. We need to see us how he sees us. We get used to the privilege of being in a church, in the church family, worshipping in freedom, like some other countries don't have, and somehow it becomes ordinary. Well, let me tell you, it's, that's not how God sees it. It's not ordinary. It is an extraordinary honour to be part of the, the bride, the bride of the returning king, the king of kings. The church is a body as well. This piece of 1 Corinthians 12, I'm sure many will know. Just as the body, though one has many parts, all its many parts form one body. Everyone has their own unique place. There's no, there's no spectators on the sidelines. We're all in it together, but we're not all the same. That's really important. Some of us need to hear that this morning. Everybody is welcome. Everybody is needed. You are welcome. You are needed. It's really important. You bring a distinct flavour that only you can bring. When you're not here, you're missed. So Paul, in, in lots of his letters, uses this body illustration in the New Testament, doesn't he? Um, and it's so valuable. He says, if one part's not working... It has an impact on the rest of the body. I, I like to keep fit by running badly. Um, and at, at the moment, I've got an issue with my Achilles tendon. And let me tell you, it's really frustrating because <laughs> it really slows me down. Um, everything else is kind of geared up, ready to go. And I've got this little nagging pain just here. And it really is a tiny part of my body, but it really slows me down. And if my leg one day decided not to work, it'd have a really big impact on the rest of me, wouldn't it? If I, if I woke up in the morning and it said, no, I can't be bothered today. The leg says, no, I can't be bothered. I'm not doing what the rest of the body wants me to do. The rest of my body, I have to work hard. I have to drag it along like that, wouldn't it? So that has an impact on the body. We would have to carry it. But it wouldn't just affect the whole. It would also affect the leg. If I... If I'm not using my leg, it becomes weak. The muscle becomes weak. It becomes more vulnerable. It's not got the protection of the rest of the body. Or the flip side, if it just sits there, it gets bloated and it gets fat. It just it comes, it consumes, it's, it's fed. Now every part is important. Do you know what your part is? To you, it's, it's, it's a really important question to ask yourself. I'd make it, make it your mission, I really do encourage it. You make it your mission to find out and get stuck in. Because it takes everybody, it takes all of us together to bring the fullness of Jesus to the world. No one can do it on their own. Many of us are doing that here in Worcester so well, so be encouraged, you're bearing fruit. You were hearing just, just some examples of that this morning, some of many of the things going on in this place. I love the, um, I promise I don't take my theology from films, but uh, I love this quote from Gladiator by a, a famous Roman general. I won't try and imitate Russell Crowe. Um, I don't think I can do the accent, but what we do today echoes in eternity. 
It's a good one, isn't it? It's weighty. One of those. When we get to the end and we meet Jesus face to face, he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's what we want, isn't it? You used your gifts, you persevered, you endured. What a privilege. We all want to hear that, don't we? When we get to the end, when we meet him face to face. Each one of us has been given unique gifts of varying measure. And in our weakness and our failings, he gives us gifts to make disciples and build his church. And these, uh, these gifts operating together, they cause unity, don't they? They cause oneness, wholeness, and they bear fruit. They cause us to rely on each other. So they're spiritual gifts, tongues, prophecy, healing, many others, practical gifts. But, but the key is Jesus has put resources in each of our hands, in my hand, in your hand. How will we use them? It's important to ask yourself that question. What have I got? How am I using it? It doesn't have to be complicated. Just ask him. Come to him with open arms and say, Jesus, I have this in my hand. How do I use it? What do you want me to do with this? Maybe you have lots of time in the week. Maybe you can come along to the granary and help in the cafe. Just talk to people. How can you use your time to bring Jesus to people. Maybe you're really good at fixing things. Who can you help? Where's the need? Maybe you just really love kids and being around them. Maybe you can come and help in the kids' work. Perhaps you're a, a tech whiz. You could join the tech team because technology always breaks. <laughs> maybe, maybe you just love to talk to people and encourage them. Who can you encourage this week? Who can you send a text message to, give them a call, Pop over and say hello. Who can you encourage this week? You see, we want you, we love you, and we need you. Everyone's needed, everyone's important. We operate in these gifts, we start from a foundation of grace. So I'm not here speaking to you this morning up the front because it's a reward for being a good boy in the week. I don't know whether I've been or not, you can ask Jane later. Gifts are, are given as gifts, aren't they? Not because they're earned. They're gifts of grace. So that means there's no room for comparison. There's no room for hierarchy. Nobody's better than anybody else. We're all unique. We're all different. We're all individual. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. The person leading the meeting is no better than the person opening the doors in the morning. Person welcoming is not less important than the person cleaning the floor. In fact, just a couple of verses later on in 1 Corinthians 12, it says, the parts that we think are less noble, we speak with, treat with special honour. It's difficult to say. The temptation is to forget the position that we stand in as Christians. We lapse into trying to work out things in our own lives, in our own way, taking our own path without involving him. We can do things out of guilt or out of duty. Well, because Jesus died on the cross to restore the relationship with the Father, we're free from that by his grace, freely given. We don't have to do that anymore. It's not about us. We're saved by his grace. We can't add anything to that or take anything away from that. no better or no worse than anybody else we actually bring nothing to the party that's freeing isn't it 
It's all about him. Perhaps those words ring true to you this morning. Perhaps you've been doing something out of duty. Come to him. Ask him to reveal his, fresh, his grace afresh to you this morning. He's here, he's willing, and he's always available. So as well as a, a body, the church is a family as well. The church is a safe place where the lonely, the widow, the orphan find a home. The family is about loving each other, looking after each other, caring for each other. You know, when we get to, um, together to make meals for someone who's just have a ba- had a baby, you know, we, we do that rotor thing, don't we? Just blows the world's mind. Talk to anybody at work outside the church. They just can't get their heads around that. You know, it's, a, it's an extraordinary act of kindness that we just kind of see as a, as a normal thing we do because we love people. The amount of conversations I've had with people just in the office or wherever, and they, they just don't get it. Why would you do that? You know, times are hard, cost of living. Why on earth would you do that? Why would, you know, that's nice, isn't it? It's amazing, isn't it? The church is a family, and it's a place to find family for those who don't have a family. And as a family, if we're honest, we fall out sometimes, don't we? <laughs> Jim and I argue about that chair quite a lot. <laughs> but he's going away for two months, so I can have it for two months. <laughs> we're human, we're stubborn, and we make mistakes. We wind each other up, we get on each other's nerves. I'm always right, of course, but uh, the rest of you. So it's not really a coincidence that Paul says in, in Colossians, bear with one each, each other. I'll say that again. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And then he says it again in Ephesians, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with each other, bearing with one another in love. He said it twice in different letters to different churches. So perhaps it's a common problem. <laughs> it's not a, not a problem that was only uh, in the New Testament. It's for now as well, isn't it? Let's love each other well. There will be disagreements and differences, but let's disagree well. Let's forgive quickly. If someone in a church has offended you, talk to them about it. Feel free to form an orderly queue at the end if it's me. (laughs) Don't hold on to it. Don't just talk to everybody else apart from the person who's hurt you. Let's hold short accounts. Be champions of love, encouragement and unity. Examine your heart. Ask God to reveal to you if there's anything you're hanging on to. It's so important to disagree well together. Resolve conflict quickly. It's very easy for me to say, but sometimes that needs a bit of help. So if you can't do that on your own, ask for help. Ask someone you trust, talk to them about it. But let's not let bitterness take root. It takes away from the hole. It's a thorn in the side. And as a family, we also grow in maturity together and in unity. So Jesus is making us to be more like him, demonstrate his fullness to the world. So he's maturing us so that we're not tossed to and fro by the waves of the latest trend. He's maturing us together, but we also have an individual, individual responsibility in that, don't we? 
Those two things are, are held in tension so much. In, in Paul's letters, he's constantly encouraging us, the churches that he's writing to, and, uh, and us, don't be like children, be mature. And why does he say that? You all know that children bring so many good things, don't they? And, and in fact, sometimes Jesus encourages us to come to him like children. But they are vulnerable, aren't they? They have only a simple understanding of the world, and they're easily persuaded. Paul uses this illustration of being tossed by the winds and waves. Um, I don't know if anyone at the beach has been knocked over by a wave. Yeah. The bigger they are, the more easily they knock you down. But there's a moment, isn't there, where you're sort of tumbling around in the water and you don't know which way up is. Um, Usually you come up and you sort of shake it off and get it out your nose and all the rest of it. Well, as, as an adult, more mature, stronger muscles, stronger legs withstand those breakers, don't you? You see kids playing around in the breakers and get a little wave like that and they try and jump over it and tumble, tumble, tumble. But if you're an adult and you're standing there like that, the waves only come up to your knees. You're, more, you're mature, there's strength to withstand. The stronger parts protect the weaker parts. That's part of what being a family is about, isn't it? The currents of, and waves of new untested doctrine, uh, the latest fad, our own post-Christian Western culture can carry us off if we're not careful. We can find ourselves drifting away, isolated on our own, away from what God wants for us. And in those moments, the enemy is rubbing his hands because we're away from the herd Mixed metaphors. We're away from the herd. I don't know if there's any cows swimming in the sea. (laughs) We're vulnerable. And we're not effective at sharing Jesus. Because we're on our own. So Paul says, no, be mature. Feed yourself with the word of God. Let's be filled with his spirit. And humbly accept the advice of wise people. Be discipled. And the mark of maturity is that we, we don't think so individually anymore. We bring unity. We work to support and equip and help each other. Um, I don't know if any of you saw on Facebook this um, blog post that Richard shared from John Hosier, who leads uh, the New Frontiers Church. Um, I just, I, I love this quote, part of it. The church does us more good than we realize. We get washed clean by the preaching of the word of God because during the week, many of us have got a bit grubby. We can find reasons not to come on a Sunday because we don't expect much to happen. Rather, there should be an expectation that God might really encounter me in great power today. It's part of a profound mystery. So what if we came each Sunday expectant for God to move? Hungry to hear him and willing to be used by him to bless each other. What would that look like? It'd be amazing, wouldn't it? What if we took that out into the world because it's not about being in here it's about that mission word I talked about earlier on it's got to go out hasn't it what would that look like on Monday morning if we encountered God powerfully on a Sunday morning you see God's got a plan and a vision for his church and that's you and that's me we're his salvation plan for the whole world I can't remember 
should have looked this up, who the quote was by, but um, someone famously said that, that, that that's his plan A and there's no plan B. Anyone remember who that is? Korinzak. Oh, okay, there you go. So, uh, in true Richard Thomas style, so what? Number one, find your place and get stuck in. Don't come just to consume. Be encouraged that when you're not here, we miss you. The whole suffers because every part counts. Everyone is welcome. Everyone is needed. The body only does what it's designed to do if everyone's playing their part. And there are opportunities to serve in so many teams in the church or just get involved in the community. Ask one of the leaders and we'll point you in the right direction if you're not sure. Number two, get to see the church how God sees it. Read about it in the word and keep reading. And if you don't get it, ask him. Ask him for revelation. Ask him to see his heart for the church locally and globally. Ask him to show it, show it to you through his eyes. Number three, let's be a family. Let's talk openly, disagree well, Let's hold short accounts, but also let's mature together in him. And number four, let's keep coming together and equipping each other. We need to equip each other so that we can get out on the mission he's given us to do, of making disciples. We all know that verse in Hebrews 10, do not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. We need each other. There's something amazing that happens when we get together. We need to pursue his presence together. The goal's not a nice meeting, is it? We love that, but actually, we're being equipped to go out and share him in the world. So just, just before I, I pray for us at the end, just as I was preparing, um, I had this picture of um, a, a speedo in a car, speedometer, where you've got, you know, got a... On some of them, you've got a limiter these days where you can set, you can set what's the maximum speed that I'm going to let, let myself accelerate to. And so when, when you hit that, the needle goes up and just stays there and you don't go any faster. It doesn't matter how hard you, you stamp down on the accelerator pedal, pedal, you are limited. And I felt like God wants to speak to some people here this morning about artificial limiters that you've put in place on your own life as a, as a protection mechanism. So, so number one, I think some people struggle to get involved. That They worry about getting involved in stuff because of, of fear. I just can't do it. Um, what will people think? I'll, I'll make a fool of myself. Um, even if I ask somebody about it, it's going to be embarrassing. Well, God would say to you that you're in Christ, you're in a family, you're in church, you're in the safest, most secure place that you could ever be. You're loved and you're important. And he's cheering you on to have a go. So I just felt like someone wanted to hear, needed to hear that this morning. And then the other one is, I can't do this because I'm unskilled. I'm the last person that would want to be picked for the football team at school. I'd love to help, but I just can't. I've got nothing to offer. Well, God would say to you that, Everyone here is in his first team. There's no one on the bench just in case. 
Someone just needs to hear that this morning. So I'm just going to pray. To end. But do be asking God if any of that sits with you and don't let it pass by. Do something about it. Grab somebody and pray with them. Yeah, Lord, we just thank you so much for the privilege of being part of your wonderful church. Thank you that we are a body and a family and we, we wind each other up and we mess things up sometimes, Lord, but, uh, but thank you that we are unified in you together and we're on a mission to share you with the world. I just pray that you would help us be effective in that, help us play our part and be with us on the mission. In Jesus' name.